everybody and welcome back to this week's edition of This Woman Can. I am your host, Janice Sutherland, executive coach for the black woman over 40. Now, my interview this week with Ronke Kukurue reminded me of all the reasons why I love doing This Woman Can or doing the interviews on This Woman Can. It was a while back. As I said, I'm just getting back into the swing of things with work and and stuff. And the interview, we'd done this interview a number of months back, but it's still highly relevant in the content she has and what she says just gave me life, just gave me life. Um, A few things, I don't want to give it away too much, but she talked about um, giving yourself permission to try something different that it's okay not to know about embracing failure and paying attention to the signs when it's time for you to make those changes. I really don't want to give away too much. You really need to listen to the interview this week because it was fabulous, even if I say so myself. But I don't want you to keep it to yourself once you've listened to it. I want you to share it with just one incredible woman in your network who you know uh, right at this time needs to hear the message that Ron Kay is sharing because there were so many fabulous takeaways. Better yet, let me know what you took away from this week's interview. You can contact me on all the socials. I am Janice Sutherland. Or you can email me info at JaniceSutherland.com or visit my website, JaniceSutherland.com, to find out what's happening, to connect with me, to look at other ways how I work with women like you so you can have that wrong K feeling. So without further ado, as you know, I always say, get your tip or your coffee, your tea, your drink, whatever it is your makes you feel comfortable. Sit back, relax, and listen to this week's interview. Everybody and welcome to this week's edition of This Woman Can. Now, I'm really excited. I'm always excited to talk to my next guest. But we were introduced by a mutual acquaintance who thought we'd have great synergies. And we've spoken before. And yeah, we have. We have. So my guest this week is Ronke Kukurue. And I'm hoping I got that right, Ronke. Yeah, because, you know, I've been practicing here. Um, Now, Ronke trained as a barrister, then qualified as solicitor after obtaining a master's in international environmental law from the London School of Economics. She's also a certified executive coach, a trainer, a speaker, and the founder of iVerbalize, a public speaking communications training coaching business. So I'm always interested in hearing about that change and because that's quite a vast change. However, she's on a mission to champion women to step up in their leadership capabilities and to take steps to shift from spectator to speaker, expressing Mm -hmm. themselves from a place of intention and with greater courage and clarity. Not only that, she also mentors young women in in the developing world to become future leaders. So we do have a little bit in common, Ronke. Oh, and welcome to This Woman Can. Thank you. It's great to be here. Fantastic, fantastic. And yes, you do hear a bit of an English accent. So that's another connection we have, you know, so a little bit of a Eng- little bit of English, a little bit of English. Mm-hmm. So Ronke, um, tell us a little bit about your career journey and how you got to where you are today with iVerbalize. Wow, where to begin? Where to begin, Janice? I suppose... So for as long as I could remember, I was going to be a lawyer, right? That was what the plan was. I would 
walk about in my mom's wig and gown as a child because both my parents were lawyers and I grew up in Nigeria with them and so the vision the plan the hope was for Ronke to be a lawyer and to be a lawyer for life so I came over to the UK from Nigeria and embarked on my legal journey did that for a number of years as you mentioned went to the bar qualified as a solicitor and did that for a number of years Probably about 15, going back and forth in between starting my own family. And I suppose a number of years ago, Janice, I started to think about the future. Mm. I was turning 40. And it was around that time I started to wonder what I wanted my future life to look like. Yeah. And less and less I saw the law take, <laughs> take <laughs> space <laughs> in that future vision and I suppose I just got to a point where I had started to feel quite bored no offense to any lawyers yeah, listening, yeah, yeah. but genuinely started to feel somewhat suffocated and stifled by all the di- different things I wanted to be doing thought I might be able to do and just got to a point where i felt like there was potentially a different path that was calling yeah. my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. You, you so as you were saying that a load of questions started popping up in my mm-hmm. head as you, as you were saying that. So let me start with the first one. Because one of the things I know a lot with um I I see a lot with especially black women or of a mm-hmm. certain you know certain generation that kind of stuff is the influence of our parents mm-hmm. whether they're in the indus whether they're in that particular field of work or not mm-hmm. but it's the case that some usually want more for you so you mm-hmm. will do x y z so did you experience that or was that did you think there was a there was more of a what's the word I'm looking for I don't want to say pressure maybe pressures the word for you to follow in your parents' footsteps? I suppose anybody who I love is from Nigeria. And I know it's not peculiar only to Nigerians, yeah. but your parents have this expectation that you go on to become yes. a lawyer, a doctor, an yeah. engineer, yeah. an architect, yeah. or yes, one of those yeah. anyway. Yeah. And so because both my parents were lawyers, in fact, they used to laugh that they wanted all of their six children to yeah. follow in their path <laughs> and so <laughs> when three out of six of us went on to study law I mean I'm like we've done well right we yeah, got at least 50 yeah. percent. so was there a sense of pressure from them I suppose not from them they didn't yeah. say oh you must but subconsciously and in a very subtle yeah. way and I say that because when I started to think about the decision to walk away from the law Mm. I remember feeling quite anxious. I remember feeling like I needed permission, permission from my parents who had invested so much (laughs) in my education and had dreams and plans for me, permission from my husband who'd also invested in my journey and had, you know, we had a joint vision at the time of what the future could look like. And ultimately, Janice, I actually realized that I needed permission from myself. Yes. And that's what it boiled down to, permission to to explore, permission to try something different, permission to say it's okay to close one door and seek to open another. And that all felt really scary. But essentially, I knew that if I was going to move forward and explore 
new horizons that I needed mm. to step away and really yeah. explore what that looked like. Yeah, yeah. Why did you think you had to give yourself permission? Mm. It's a great question because for so much of my life, Bronche was defined yes, by yes. a sense of my career taking yeah. such a yeah main place in just my how I viewed myself how I introduced myself how yeah. people knew me yeah. and so there was something about giving myself permission that it's okay to not have to show up with that title yeah. so to yeah. speak yeah that it's okay to not have to show up through, with others looking at me through that lens yeah and yeah. that it's actually yeah. okay to to try I mean I would never ever have considered myself to be an entrepreneur or Mm. a business owner that Mm. just was not in my Mm. vision Mm. so there was something about giving myself permission to try just to try something different and perhaps to fail and survive the failure Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll take the learnings from the failure. Mm -hmm. And and you said two things that two things that stuck out for me there, and that I hear a lot when people are change when women are changing direction like this, is first of all, is that without that particular job, title, career, who am I? And it's them to understand that it doesn't define who you are. It literally is a job and a title. It's not who you are. And it's detaching detaching yourself from that. And secondly, especially for a profession such as yours as law, you have invested not Mm. just finance, Mm. but as you said, an inordinate amount of time, Mm. you know, your family supported you because, you know, taking the bar and going down the law, that's not an easy route, you know? And so I hear a lot of women saying, well, Will, will I not have wasted? And I say that in mm. air quotes. Yes. Would I, yeah. would I not have wasted that time or that, mm. you know, or that experience or that mm. investment mm. I did? So let me ask you a quick question to any woman who may be thinking, well, I want to want to give myself that permission. Mm. I want to make that change. Mm. But, you know, mm. I've invested all this. Mm. What would you say to them? What's the piece of advice you'd share with them? The investment is worth it. That is generally the starting point that I would I would say, because I had to come to a place of appreciating that my law has mm. set such a solid foundation for everything else that I'm doing. I remember attending an event and quite similar situation, a woman who'd been in a very completely in a very different field and was moving to a completely different um space and feeling like she was starting from zero yeah she really felt like oh my goodness I've left the law I'm moving into this I have nothing yeah and I remember the speaker just reminding reassuring and encouraging her that all those years those 15 years of whether it's accountancy or law or marketing whatever it is you have all of that in your back pocket in your handbag and nobody can take that away from you And what I found for myself personally is that it genuinely has set me up really, really well to do what I'm doing now. It's given me such a strong foundation. And yes, I'm really grateful, actually. I wouldn't change that journey. I know some people would say, would you have wanted to do it differently? It's what it is. And I'm really grateful that those years that I invested in the law, time, money, Mm. experience, all of that, 
it's paying its own dividends in Fantastic. a very different way. Fantastic. And, and, and like you say, it's, it's recognizing that we're not starting over. We're starting from yeah. experience. That's right. You know, yes. and that, and you know, and you can't buy that experience. No. Nothing's going to do that for you at all. Yeah, definitely. So, thanks for being so transparent there. I know I asked you a few extra questions. I said I'd dig a little bit deeper. <laughs> <laughs> but Robert, what has been the best thing you think when you look back about your mid-career change? Wow, what has been the best thing? It's funny because I was speaking to somebody earlier today. And I was just marveling at the journey thus Mm -hmm. so far and thinking about how one little seed of an idea from daily, monthly, and a few years of watering Mm -hmm. has become something that genuinely I I would never have imagined And so I suppose one of the best, best bits of this journey is just the fact that I got started and that I'm still doing this and that it's enabled me to create a life that is full of joy and adventure and in spite of the uncertainty of which there is plenty, that I'm doing work that I absolutely love. And work that has an impact in a way that really fuels me, really gives me a sense of of gratitude, a sense of legacy, a sense of so much more possibility. And that's because I made the decision to water that tiny seed Mm. of Mm. faith, of hope, of possibility, Mm. and that it's blossoming into this beautiful tree that continues to grow and lovely. Love those analogies. Love those analogies. Now, what you're describing then, I hate to use this very cliched terms, you know, is that people talk about finding your purpose or your passion. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I always, I, personally, I always struggle with that because I'm like, what sure. the hell? How my purpose, my passion, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, share with us or describe for us how you made that transition because it's very different. You know, it's a very, very different, like you say, in from the from the law to entrepreneurship and not even in the law field sector, yeah, per se. Sure. So how did you tap into that purpose, that passion, you know, to, to, to get where you are? Sure. Yes. I wish I had this beautiful story <laughs> this <laughs> of how one day it all came to me. There's none of that. So much of my journey has been accidental. Yeah, It started from a place of feeling dissatisfied and wanting more and pausing and grateful for my husband who was very supportive in giving me space Mm -hmm. to reflect. And I felt like I needed that space to reflect because I honestly had no idea, no idea what I was going to do what sort of work was calling out to me. A friend of mine who was helping me to um, consider next steps looked at my CV and she said, Ronke, your CV is so loyally. And I'm like, yes, it is, because that's all I've done. That's all I know. And I genuinely had no real sense of where it was that I was going to step into. And so it did take some failed attempts. I started... A Montessori course, because I thought maybe I'll set up a Montessori nursery. We have three children. 
And we'd had some interesting um, situations with some of their childcare. <laughs> and so there was a sense of, I want to create this beautiful space yeah. where children feel completely safe and looked yeah. after. And, and I started that course and I thought I would be through it like that, walk in the park. It was all virtual. This was before virtual was a thing. Right, right. And I really struggled. I struggled. And in the end, I failed one of the modules. And I thought, actually, this isn't quite going according yeah. to plan. And so I've packed it up nicely. It's in a bag. All the books are in a bag <laughs> in the garage. And my you still have them. <laughs> yes. They do tease me from time to time and go, what's in that bag, mum? What's in that bag? And I'm like, let's yeah, just yeah. keep walking past. And so there was that. And I went through various, various just journeys like that, yeah. where I was trying to figure out, is this the thing? Is this the thing? And coaching literally fell into my lap. Mm. I met up with an, a wonderful gentleman who was leading at a very senior level in an organization. And over lunch, he very flippantly mentioned that he had a coach and that stopped me in my own mind's mm. traps because I'm like a coach. And I said to him, I said, but you are so successful. Why on earth do you have a coach? And he said to me, he said, well, that's why I'm so um, successful. Yes. Yeah. He said, in fact, I don't have just the one. I have two coaches. So immediately I was like, tell me more. He introduced me to his coach. I attended one of her leadership um events a beautiful really intimate setting that she organized in London where leaders were sharing very vulnerably yeah. the stories of their own journeys and immediately I felt really connected to that and it was in the cloakroom as we were heading off I bumped into a lady we had a laugh about my coat and she became a wonderful friend who then introduced me to another friend of hers who was setting up a coaching business, literally fell into my lap. I, I didn't feel like I was looking for it. Yeah. On reflection, I was already coaching. I was yes. already spaces yeah. where I was doing this sort of thing, but not knowing. Yeah. And so when it came, it felt like a familiar friend who was mm. beckoning me to come in and to experience mm. it more fully. And so coaching and then training and then the speaking, those yeah. three strands have yeah. come together beautifully now. Yeah. In the world yeah. And I love how you describe that, because quite often we put when we're going through this mid-career transition, this mid-career change. I'm speaking from experience myself. Mm. You put a lot of you put a lot of pressure on yourself. I know when I when I first transitioned out of the corporate CEO role to working for myself, the level of pressure I placed on myself to get the same sort of results. Sure. Till I really had to check myself and say, look, you had a whole bloody team of 80 people. You know, you had a whole organization behind you. Sure. Why are you putting why are you putting that kind of level of stress on yourself? And if that's what you wanted, wouldn't you still be there? Mm, so it's really about giving yourself. And, and, and I had a few hits and starts. I started out in the leadership coaching mm. because I knew leadership. I'm I'm sure. I'm the eldest of six. I've always been a leader. You know, Love and I it. felt natural that way. I mean, I'm like, but I'm not, that just, it doesn't, it doesn't excite mm. me. It doesn't speak to me. It doesn't, 
give me that feeling you get when you know you've hit the nail on the head. And as I've slowly gone through, I've known that I've wanted to work with black women. That's what I started Mm -hmm. doing because I like I can relate. Then I knew I wanted to speak, we wanted to work with black women over 40 because Mm -hmm. our experiences, we may come from different continents, but our experience in the corporate world are very similar. Right. You know, and then when especially when you start talking about women over 15, black and stuff like that, and the challenge we start facing. And Mm -hmm. how, as you said, we have to really give ourselves that time to look at what next. Mm -hmm. Because we're yes. around here, we're going to be around a lot longer yeah. than we ever than we ever would have been before. Sure. So we yeah. need to be in a career that you enjoy. So allowing yourself to just evolve. Mm. If and, mm. I, and, I'll, and I'll put a caveat on this, because sometimes financially it's not always yes. it's not always viable, yeah. and I understand yeah. that. Yes. But I think, it, but I think if you take, I was called a get me by job or do whatever it is, knowing that mm. this isn't the way you're going to end, mm-hmm. that you're working on a bigger plan. I think mm-hmm. it makes life ease to go there. So I, I love the fact that you said, look, you had to just kind of feel it, mm-hmm. you know, we were doing, and, and that's right to be doing it for so many years. Yes. Anything else is alien. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And I think just even um, listening to you, I think there's something about really believing that something is possible. I think yes. sometimes we don't even give ourselves the opportunity or the permission or the chance to think there's there could be yeah. something that's different there could yeah. be something that's yeah. more worthwhile or we think it and then we think oh my gosh but it feels impossible yeah and yeah. I'm learning through my own journey that just that one foot in front of the other yes. of exploring yeah. and failing yes. and yeah. discovering yeah. yeah that in itself is such a precious gift and I and I think just to add on to that I know we're slightly digressing but one of the things I also realized is that we don't realize how many hidden skills and talents we have. Mm. I would never in a month of Sundays consider myself a creative <laughs> or sure. a content creator because sure. I was all corporate, you know, spreadsheets, yeah. reports, sure. presentations, yeah. that yeah. kind of thing. That was that was always that was my that was my life, you yeah. know. But then to know I've written a book, I produced a podcast yeah. the past four years, yeah, I write cool. content, I write articles all of which are creative. Yeah. That's you know, true. and so we, we don't, re- we, we don't realize that it was always there, but we just given ourselves the opportunity to tap into it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So yeah. I love, I'm loving this conversation. So, so, so Ronke, so what do you think has been unique for you a pivoting or check yeah, you pivot, you pivot, you pivoted. Mm-hmm. Um, pivoted in mid in midlife or mid career, the the kind of mm-hmm. challenges or opportunities it presented to you. Sorry, say the question again. Sorry, what do you think is unique about making a pivot mid career or midlife pivot? Hmm. Well, what is unique about that? I suppose for everyone, it is so different, isn't it? And mm-hmm. for me, I think the biggest piece was around that. Permission to step into the unknown yeah. and to, in a sense, and I appreciate that I had the luxury of my husband's support and I definitely don't want to downplay that, but there was something around choosing to explore just yeah. whatever yeah. was possible because a number of people had said to me, right, but why don't you just move into a different area of the law, right? Yeah. This yeah. is quite yeah. dramatic you're in civil litigation, there's so many other areas of law that you could look into. 
And I did consider that initially. And I started to have conversations around maybe looking into corporate work, Mm -hmm. more corporate um, law. and, And what I started to discover was the same amount of energy that I needed to move from one area of law to another area of law was the same amount of energy that I needed to move into anything. And so it really was just choosing to explore what was possible. It was through conversations with people who knew me well. I sat with some mentors and asked for their feedback and asked, what do you know to be a strength of mine that perhaps I'm not seeing? What is it about how I show up that you appreciate that you potentially think could be a thing that maybe I'm not really valuing I conversations honestly with my hairdresser who started to (laughs) talk about (laughs) how she likes listening to my voice my neighbor started to say something about when I led a discussion it made her want to lean in and so I started to notice Mm. more and more these signs so to speak that perhaps I hadn't ever really paid attention to And when I started to connect those dots and look at my own personal circumstances, I mean, I verbalized was born because at the time I thought young people need more spaces to speak up. Full stop. There are not enough spaces for young people to speak up, share their stories and be affirmed, encouraged, Mm. celebrated. And so that's where we started. So even though my work is very firmly focused on women now, young people and that need for that encouragement is still very much on my radar because that was that was the catalyst for really stepping into this work excellent fabulous fabulous so what do you think you wish you had known before you embarked on this particular this, uh, this aspect of the journey so top of mind for me I wish I'd known that I didn't have to try and figure it out by myself oh my gosh yes or have it figured out at all (laughs) but even just have it just figuring it out on my own this solo journey of okay yes I'm now in a completely new space perhaps there are other people like me Mm, who mm. can journey along with me yeah and I suppose once I got the feedback from the mentors and I'd taken their advice so to speak I kind of then felt like it was now down to me to make it work and so when people ask me how long have I been running I verbalize I say on paper about five years I say but really and truly probably just one or two years yeah because it's in the last couple of years I discovered the power of connection with others Mm, collaboration networking conversations that leads to opportunities of this synergy of learning from and giving to others and there's so much of that that I wish I had known at the onset Mm, of my journey mm, that mm. would have made it easier in a sense yeah and I suppose on some levels would have enabled me to move ahead more quickly yeah yeah uh, you know you remind, you remind me of that because one of the things I sometimes I, I, maybe often tell my clients my is that you're not that special 
<laughs> and he almost takes me a step back. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm me, you know, exactly like, you know, clutch the pearls. Sure. But, um, but more in the fact that we often have what I call a me, myself and I mentality. Mm-hmm. So nobody else can experience as, as experienced or nobody else is going through what I've gone through. Nobody else can know, you know, all those things we tell ourselves. Yeah. But invariably, if you tap the shoulder of the woman next to you and you say, look, I've had this experience, mm-hmm. whatever it is. You know, one or two out of the three yeah. or whatever are going to say to you, well, yeah. actually, I went through that mm. and this is how I overcame it. Mm. So all that piece you talk about, you know, not making that journey on your own, mm. talking to somebody, you know, getting mm. feedback, you know, mm. at, look, asking is free. You know, yes. if you don't and if you don't and all they can say to you and you ask is <laughs> no. And you're, you, yes. you're no worse than when you started off in the yeah. first place. Definitely. You know, so I'm a big advocate for just going mm-hmm. out there. You know, mm-hmm. any fear I had about oh, what will they think? Oh, that's mm-hmm. gone. Who cares what they mm-hmm. think? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I wonder if it's always the fear of what others think or whether it's even for us just that sense that it's got to be down to us somehow, that we have got to figure out all of the answers and our own. It's strange. I think it's a combination of it, you know, talking from a from a black woman perspective, mm. you know, the mm. fact is that we are always the one, 99.9, whatever is percent recurring, <laughs> um, are usually the one that shoulders the responsibility mm. of, sure. you know, when people looking for things to happen or your family, they, you, they, they come to you. I know for me, I was always a pivotal point being the eldest or you're in control, you're in charge, you must know. So you have that expectation as to this is, I should know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always known what I've done. I've made the right decision, especially if we've been been successful. Mm. You know, we know, Mm. we, we knew what Mm. we we got, we were successful. So we must know what we've been doing. Mm. Indeed. You know, but it's okay not to know. Yeah, it's okay not to know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, okay. it's okay not Absolutely. to know. Okay yeah. yeah. So you touched on, Ron Kate, failure. Ooh. You touched on failure. You touched on failure. So, but how has failure made a positive difference in your life? Hmm. It's so funny because for a long time, that word genuinely would give you a bit of a, oh my gosh, shall we go there? Must we go there? Let's pretend that it's not quite happened to you. And the very first encounter, I suppose, that I had with failure was when I took my master's in international environmental law at the London School of Economics. I'd just finished my first degree. I got a 2-1. I'd won an award for best student. I really was on, you know, on just on cloud nine, really, really excited. And then I went through the master's and I failed. So I failed two of the modules and that meant that I needed to do the whole thing all over again. Yeah. I thought my life would, was coming to an end. And I mean that I had never experienced failure, especially yeah. academically, ever, mm. ever. My parents had sacrificed a lot yeah. to fund my studying here. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of expectation and um, hopes about my performance And so it really, really shook me. I was so Mm. discouraged by the fact that I'd failed and couldn't quite see life 
in a in the same way beyond this failure. <laughs> And I'm so grateful to my parents because where I thought that their disappointment would be sky high, they were incredibly supportive and gave me that fuel that said, let's do this again. It's okay. We will do this. I recently found some of the letters they wrote to me during that period. Yeah, I kept them because it really meant a lot. Their support was incredible in terms of just that belief that I could do it again. And I did it and I passed and I didn't die and life has continued. And what I say often, because I talk about it a lot now when I speak, because for a long time I didn't, I wanted to put it in this box, this black box with a big padlock, put it under the bed, never to be spoken about. And yet it has taught me for starters that that is life. That is just Mm. part and parcel Mm. of life and that we can recover from failure and that there are lessons that we learn that we can't Mm. learn through any other experience and that it connects us with others who have gone through similar experiences. And I remember speaking to a friend um, soon after that, actually, and she just failed her driving test. I think it was for about the sixth attempt. And she was so disappointed. I won't won't even go there, but never mind. I I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I remember sharing with her about my failure. And she looked at me stunned, genuinely. She was like, I would never have thought that about you. And I said, well, I choose to share it. And the irony is that now I go back to the London School of Economics and I speak to students there and I share it as part of my journey, as a part of my story. So what was something that I wanted to hide has actually become a gift that I use now when I speak because failure is part and parcel of life and it's part of our growth journey. And so that was the very first encounter. And of course, that has happened again at different times. And yet I choose to see through a very different lens. And, I'm, you know, we've heard different acronyms for what it means Genuinely, for me, it means another opportunity to try again. Excellent. That's what it is. Excellent. It's funny you mentioned the driving left driving test because (laughs) I have never told anybody how many times I took my driving test. Not even my husband. And we've been together 18 years and he will never know. All you need to know is that I now have a license (laughs) that I've held successfully for many, 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 many years. You know, and and that that that's all that needs to be said. You know, I learned every time from it. You know, I, I about perseverance for me. That was all about perseverance because, gosh knows, it was frustrating, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed. So are you going to go and tell him tonight, then? How many? Right. <laughs> nobody has ever known how many times I took that it's not it's not something I care to share but I've definitely learned from definitely learned from so Ron K we're coming down to our last few questions and I I wish we could talk here for ages but I know we have we have a dead we have a deadline so talk talk to me about what advice do you wish you'd given you given to your 20 year old self Let me remind myself where I was, my 20-year-old self. I'd probably just experienced the failure. I suppose I would say to her, 
that everything that I need, mm-hmm. I already have. That I, what I'm, that the gifts that I've been blessed with by God yeah. are worthy and that there is space for them and that I will find, or my people will find me. And so to show up fully, to keep laughing out loudly, to keep taking up or to choose to take up space and to not be afraid. And I say laugh loudly intentionally because there was an instance once where I was laughing really loudly because that's who I am. That's how I am. And somebody looked at me almost with a look of disdain, like, what's so funny? And in that moment, there was almost a, a temptation to tone it down a little bit. Okay, must you be so loud when you laugh? Must you? And I'm so grateful that I chose to keep laughing out loud and to keep showing up as me. And so that's what I would say to her, that it will all come together and that there's so much, so much that the world has got to offer. So many adventures and to not be afraid to keep putting one foot in front of another because it's all worth it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And just to, I suppose, talk and expand on something you talked about earlier, you talked about mentors and stuff like Mm, that. mm. So, you know, if you could choose your own mentor, doesn't mean, doesn't matter, dead or alive or whatever, Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. would it be and why? Mm. The person who comes to mind, and it's funny because I was thinking about her as I went running this morning. I'm thinking about who would I really love to meet? So apart from my mother, who I love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a given. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It would be Michelle Obama. Okay. She's a popular choice. I'm sure she is. (laughs) Um, I did think of Oprah as well. But Michelle, Michelle used to be a lawyer. Yeah. Michelle is very honest about just being a regular, regular woman, regular yeah. girl who had a vision, though, and who worked hard, who was committed and who just by putting that one foot ahead of another, mm-hmm. making those wise decisions, those wise choices has gone on to inspire so, mm-hmm. so many. Mm-hmm. And what I love about her is that she shows up as very, I know we use that word authentic, authentic a lot, but she yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. does. She shows yeah. up as herself. Michelle does strike me as somebody who could be on your podcast, Janice. Yeah. Somebody who I could go on. <laughs> I'm putting out there for you and for myself. Yeah. Somebody who I could have a coffee with and laugh about yeah. life and yeah. dream about the future and have a sense of really making a difference and having yeah. a legacy in this world yeah. that um, impacts on the future lives of yeah. girls. Yeah, yeah. I totally know what you mean, because in my head, Michelle has always been my sister friend, you know, because, and, and one of the things was, what I, always got, I always remember is that she released her book Becoming exactly the same day I released my book. Oh. And I was like, come on, girl, you could have given me a chance. There was, you know, come on. There was no competition here. I remember actually recording going, make me a bestseller like Michelle. I actually recorded the video to do that. Still working on it, but, you know. 
but I totally get what you mean and we're about the same age you know similar similar upbringings apart from lawyer bit but you know yeah so I've had that synergy it's my little in my head she's my sister friend my sister I love it (laughs) so so Ronke what are the three things what three Mm. things have you learned about yourself during your career so my legal career coming into whatever, this new whatever space, you choose, yeah, your whole yeah. career, what three things have you learned about yourself? Okay, so the very first one um, is that when I'm operating from a place that is completely aligned to my values, that's when I show up the best, genuinely. And there's a whole story to that, but I was pitching for some work where normally I try and just show up very professionally, thinking yeah. that's what was needed. I led by starting off sharing who I am and mm. mentioning joy as being one of my greatest values and thinking, oh my gosh, they might think it's a bit, you know, possibly childish. Who needs joy when we have serious yeah. business to be moving along with? And yet it was really that that I believe made the difference and got me through the door mm. for that opportunity. Mm. So that alignment showing up fully from a place of yeah this is me, this is me, and you can run with me and enjoy my company, or you can decide that I'm not quite what you are looking for. So that would be the very first thing. The second thing would be that I'm more courageous Mm. than I think I am. And it's more when friends and people around me reflect that back to me, because I've just done what I have yeah, thought you to do, do. do. I'll yeah. just try it and I'll try yeah, that yeah, and yeah. and genuinely that one foot in front of another is what has enabled me to get to this place it's not been huge jumps off mountaintops it's not been you know big ski slopes going down it's been that steady stepping day by day by day from a place of courage from a place mm. of choosing to try and put myself out there and if it works it works and if it doesn't work then at least I tried mm-hmm. and finally I suppose that the power of community mm-hmm. is so so precious and I feel gratitude is definitely one of my greatest values and I feel very grateful for the community that I have in my personal space the community that I've built um, through the work that I do, the communities that I've become, I've been privileged to become a part of, and that there is such beauty, um, power, and and magic in yeah. in just being part of and creating communities. Excellent, excellent. I love those responses. Love those three things. So, in the last official interview question, Ronke. What does success feel like Mm. to you? And I love that you said feel and not look. (laughs) Last night I was doing some work around what does it look like? Somebody had asked me some questions around that. Didn't even know this was coming. So (laughs) success feels like a deep sense of joy. I mean, overflowing joy, a joy that leaks, a joy that invites others to Mm. enjoy as well. Success feels like a depth of gratitude that isn't 
easily taken away irrespective of what's yeah. going on around me but being able to look at my life and just yeah before of gratitude there's I mean as I mentioned or I don't know if I mentioned I am a Christian and my faith is a huge part of my life and there's a verse that comes to mind that I say often and it says very simply here I raise my Ebenezer thus far have you brought me and that sense of looking back at my life and thinking wow Mm -hmm. wow you have brought me to this very spacious place and I feel really really grateful so success feels like that and success feels like finally something about empowering um I've discovered recently the legacy is really important to me and it was a feeling I felt in a coaching session that really surprised me and it's about being connected to a purpose much bigger than me yeah that's really just is expansive and that gives others permission to show up beautifully as themselves because we each each of us is each of us is worthy our stories are our voices are our very presence is and so it feels very empowering very inviting um joyous and grateful excellent excellent thank you Thank you. And I could see you feeling that as you closed your eyes when you, yes. you, were, visualize, you were visualizing it. So I know it came from the heart. <laughs> so Ronke, that was my last official question. But if people would like to connect with you and know, know more about what you do, how can they do that? So LinkedIn is where I show up the most. So please find me on LinkedIn, Ronke Kokorue on yep. LinkedIn. I also have a website www.iverbalize.co.uk it needs some updating so watch that space I also send out um it used to be a weekly newsletter which has gone a little bit quiet and needs (laughs) some revamping (laughs) and so those would be the main places where I can excellent I'll be sure to put the links in the show notes Yes. But you are now out of the hot seat, Ronke. So thank you so much for being my guest this week on This Woman Can. Thank you, Janice. Genuinely so delighted to have connected with you <laughs> and to have had the privilege of sharing this time and space with you. So thank you. Thank you again. So was I right about what a fabulous interview that was with Ronke? Trust me, I never steer you wrong. As I said, she gave away so many wonderful gems there. And I think the big one I'm going to take away with me at this stage, because I'm looking at a lot more collaborations in my own career and my own business over the next few months, is that you don't have to figure it out alone. You don't have to go it alone. And that's a great place to just to say to you that if you are thinking about changing careers, career transition, or just want some help navigating your current career situation, some, some, some strategy support, then you know where I am talk to me. It's no obligation. Find out more information by visiting my website, JaniceSutherland.com or message me on all the socials. I am Janice Sutherland. And until next time, remember, if I can, you can, this woman can. Take care until next time. 